Thank you for downloading this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We pray that you receive encouragement from the study of God's Holy Word and that you will grow in the faith and understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to start. You ready for this? We're going to read a passage in just a minute. Normally, I don't like to read long segments of Scripture, but this morning I want to do that. Please stay with me. Please stay with me when I do this, okay? And as we read this passage, look for how bad it was for Israel. That's what I want you to pull out of it. More stuff's going on than that. There always is in the Bible. But we read the passage, look for how bad things are going in Israel, okay? Judges 6. Let's go ahead, Brad. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight. So the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. By the way, this message, I know you saw the title slide. This message was um, between, you know, a difference between two. And uh, I was just thinking last Sunday, remember how bad the weather was last Sunday? It was a terrible, I mean, the snow was terrible. And it was a, just a horrible day. And now, I mean, it's hard to remember the last Sunday. It was just last Sunday. It seems like it should have been months ago, doesn't it? It's just strange how these things work. Uh, by the way, you know what? This is a total tangent, total aside here. All of our big snowstorms this year have occurred on Sundays. Did you know that? And I think, what? Do you think that's an accident? We had another snowstorm on Wednesday, this Wednesday, when the sheriff was coming in. Sometimes I just wonder. I just wonder. It just makes me wonder. Anyhow, the Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, the strongholds. They're hiding out. This is bad. The Israelites have to hide out. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. We know where Gaza is today. It's still around, and it's on an edge. So if it's as far away as Gaza, I mean, they're really getting into the land. Keep going, Brad. They, they left the Israelites with nothing to eat. So the Israelites are hiding. There's no food, taking all the sheep, the goats, the cattle, and the donkeys. These enemy hordes, coming with their livestock and tents, were as thick as locusts. When I was a kid, I lived in Texas. Steve, uh, would you please pop the back door open? Maybe we'll get some fresh flow of air in here. Anyway, when I was a child living in Texas, where we lived, the locusts would come and they would land on lawns and they would just eat all the, whatever the lawn was. And then when they were done, they would go and they were just, they would wedge in there, all these locusts, like a carpet of bugs. And then they would, you know, chomp on it and leave when there was, it was just a, nothing left. So when it says it's locust, I mean, just imagine people just descending on this land and just, just annihilating it. <clears throat> uh, and they arrived in droves of camels, too numerous to count. And they stayed until the land was stripped bare. So Israel was reduced to starvation by the Midianites. Starvation. This is a bad time for Israel. Then the, then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help. Now hold on a sec, Brad. Imagine it. They start something. This is Israel's doing. They do evil in the sight of the Lord. The Lord sent the Midianites to take care of business, to, to, to illustrate something that Israelites needed to learn. And the Israelites are hungry, and they're on the lamb, right? They're running, they're living in caves and dugouts, wherever they can find to live. This is a terrible time for them. A bad, bad time. So what do they do? If we know, if we're in a bad time in life, if any believers in a bad time in life or people who know of God and they're in a bad time, it's common that they call out to God. God, I'm in a bad time. A bad time. I am hungry. You know, hungry is the base. <laughs> if we're hungry, we have big problems. 
and they were hungry. The Lord sent the prophet. Oh, excellent. God, you're going to talk. Let's look, Brad. When, the Isra- when they cried out to the Lord because of Midian, the Lord sent the prophet to Israelites. He said, this is what he said. This is what the Lord God of Israel says. I brought you up out of slavery in Egypt. I rescued you from the Egyptians and from all those who oppressed you. I drove out your enemies and gave you their land. I told you, I am the Lord your God. You must not worship the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you now live. But you have not listened to me. Now, now, that's an interesting prophecy. It's, it could, it's not, but you could call it, a, it could be called a buzzkill. So think about this. They're hungry. They're living in caves. They don't have a lot going for them. And they ask God for help. God answers through a prophet, and he tells them everything that used to be. You're having a bad time? Let me tell you how good it used to be. Come on, is that encouraging? That's a hard prophecy to hear. True? God, I'm really going through a hard time. I really need your help in life. I really need some food. I really want a place to live. Yes, yes. Remember when we left Egypt? See the buzzkill? It's not really. If the Lord speaks, it's never a buzzkill. But you can see where, where this could be perceived as this. But the Lord does something else. After this prophecy, let's read on. The angel of the Lord came and sat beneath the great tree at Ophrah. So the Lord speaks through a prophecy, and then here's the way I think of it. At a tree nearby, the angel of the Lord stops. And this tree, which belonged to Yoash uh, of the clan of Abizer, Gideon, the son of Yoash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So the Lord has this prophecy, and Gideon, in order to do whatever he's got to do with his wheat, to grind it out to get it to separate it, he's hiding it in a wine press. He's hiding in a terrible time in the land that after a prophecy came, didn't seem to offer any hope. It only talked really about the past. So this is quite a time that the angel of the Lord shows up to talk to Gideon. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. To this man who's hiding. Isn't this odd? Gideon was doing what he had to do to get food in a time where it was very much bleak. It was not a good time to be in Israel. And he's hiding his food. And the Lord says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. If I'm hiding, I don't think of it being a hero. And I was, you know, I was reminiscing through this. And I remember as a boy, when I was a little boy, we, my dad and I would play dart guns. Let's play dart guns. That's what we called it. And we would take, it was old school darts. Remember the ones with the long, hard plastic ends, suction cups on them. You know what I'm talking about? And we would take these guns. You could only load one at a time. So, you know, you get a dart and you would shoot it, and then you would have to go find a dart to put in the gun. You know, finding the dart was sometimes the hard part. And I remember hiding, and if I would stand up, I know my dad would shoot me. So, when I was hiding, I never felt brave. You know, he knew where I was half the time because I would laugh, but I never felt brave hiding. You with me? So I don't know what Gideon thought, but I know that he was just doing his business. 
in a time that would be very difficult. So that's Gideon, doing his business in a time that would be very difficult. Let's look at a contrast. Let's look at another guy in the scriptures. Go ahead, Brad. In the spring of the year, please skip that A. Normally I delete them, I miss this. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David sent Joab and the Israelite army to fight the Ammonites. They destroyed the Ammonite army and laid siege to the city of Rabbah. However, David stayed behind in Jerusalem. Late one afternoon after his midday rest, he was napping. David got out of bed and he was walking on the roof of the palace. As he looked over the city, he noticed a woman of unusual beauty taking a bath. This is odd to me. In the spring of the year, when kings normally go out to war, David didn't. David sends Joab out to battle. He stayed behind. It was common for kings to go to war. He didn't do it. So here you have Gideon just doing what he needed to do in a hard time. And then on the other, on the contrast, you have David who knows of God, who's seen God move in mighty times and mighty ways with Goliath and battles and running from Saul and this whole long list. David has seen God move over and over and over again. And he has normal duties, but he doesn't do his normal duties. He sends out the entire Israelite army to follow Joab. Isn't that odd? Had he just gone to Joab, he would have never had the problems that he had when he saw the woman taking a bath, which led to adultery, her getting pregnant, and then David having to kill her husband to cover it all. Had he just done what he should have done? Aren't these interesting contrasts? Now let's switch gears for a minute. Step aside. Let's look at another verse. But you have exalted my horn. This is David. He's talking at another point in time. Like that of the wild ox, you have poured, my, poured, uh, poured over, over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard the doom of my evil assailants. The righteous flourish like the palm tree. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. The flourish like a palm tree. This is an interesting thing. Whether we're doing our duty or we're not doing our duty, there's a principle here in the palm tree that, that really stands out. So we know from palm trees, you know, you picture a palm tree and you've got this long, long tree and these, these palm fronds that, that make shade and coconuts or different fruit or whatever they bear. The palm tree root system is actually quite simple. A full-grown, a 50-foot palm tree will often have a root ball about two feet long. That's all it is. You picture a big palm tree. It's this root ball, root ball like this. It's about this big around. And that's all it is. But yet they seem to stand in storms. And it's really common to find old palm trees that have weathered these storms that are just, you know, these terrible storms that just blow through. The palm trees, the old palm trees, stand. So how can they stand with such a short root ball? And what they found is, and this is kind of a learning science, this is still going on, the learning of this is still going on, the storms themselves actually cause the palm tree to deepen the roots. No storms, no deepening of roots. And they've found some palm trees that as they've matured and no storms, they can just tip. They just fall. 
They need storms to develop their roots. They need storms to survive other storms. If there's no storm, it doesn't survive. So even though there's a shallow root ball, the storms cause these roots to go down and to take hold. Isn't that odd? We have Gideon, who's going into a storm. He's called out in a storm, and he's just doing what he could do. And then there's David, who wasn't doing what he could do, and he defined things differently. Palm trees need storms. Now, have you ever seen palm trees, or in the news, or, or some catastrophe happened someplace, Japan, they had a typhoon, or in a... Hawaii, you see these palm trees, and a storm blows through, and they're laying all over their sides. You know what I'm talking about? Palm trees, they just seem to be blowing out, and you're thinking, well, those palm trees didn't do very well. What they found with transplanted palm trees, you can dig out the root ball. They're very easy to transplant. We could take a 50-foot palm tree, move it from one spot by digging out the little root ball, cutting off the little long roots, moving it to another place. The problem is we cut off those little long roots, those few long roots who have grabbed, that have survived and weathered the storms, the, the roots that anchor it, we had to take those out in order to move it. So when a storm comes, they have to start their developing their roots all over again. So when a storm does come, they tip really easily. Isn't that odd? Something else about a palm tree I think is, is unique is even those palm trees that fall over in the storms, they can be saved if the root ball is not damaged. Even if all the tree, the palm fronds off, all the branches fall off, you can still save because the key to that palm tree is the root, that little ball. So if we took that palm tree, we could plant it somewhere else, and if, no, if it had the right kind of development, it would actually develop quite nicely in its new location. But it takes time, and it's got to survive storms without deep roots. And we see this in people all the time. We need storms to survive with the Lord. We need them. I know this sounds crazy. Nobody wants to be in a storm, but we need them. Our palm roots deepen, so to speak. They grab because of the storms. Storms develop us. They teach us to hold on. They teach us to hang in there. And to do what we know to do. That's all. Just do what we know to do. Just do our typical responsibilities. Praying, reading the Bible, spending time with believers, being involved in ministry, showing up to services. Just do what we know to do. Our roots deepen. Sometimes people will say, Hey, there's something really bad going on here. I don't like it what's happening. I'm going to leave this church and I'm going to go to another church. Ugh. They transplanted their palm tree self. Right? It's easy to transplant a palm tree. They transplanted themselves. But what happens when there's a storm in that church if they're not developed? It doesn't take much to knock them over, does it? And they say, you know what? There's another storm coming. I don't like it. So I'm going to leave this spot, and I'm going to go to this spot. Because I'm a nice, mature palm tree. And they go to that spot, and what happens when another storm comes? They fall over. And it goes on and on. Sometimes they become quite adept 
at sensing when a storm comes. I think I'm going to go. I think a storm's going to come. I'm going to go ahead of the storm right here. It's difficult, isn't it? These palm trees, they're easy to move. They're easy to, uh, they need to stay in their spot. They need the roots to develop. We, you know, whether it's an easy time, a typical time like what David had, or a very challenging time like Gideon had, we grab on. We grab on. And sometimes in life, you know, I know that things are very difficult. And you're doing what you can do just to hang in there. I get it. We all know we've all been there. If, you, if you're in one of these spots right now and you think, boy, I just need somebody who's not in a spot to really encourage me. See Edwin. I'm picking on Edwin. But we all get these spots. They're hard. Think of Gideon. He's hiding to do his food. It's hard. It's not the time to go. It's the time to hang on. So we can develop and grow and be a bigger and bigger and bigger tree. And if you're hanging in there, good for you. Now, if you're, if you, if, if you're doing pretty good, if this is a good season of life, find somebody that's not doing very well and go give them a honk. I want to explain the honk. You know, geese, scientists are fi- have found, and this is a relatively new discovery, actually, that when geese fly in their V, you know, the first, the lead goose there, does all the, they do the hardest work, and, and when they're there, they don't honk. So when you see geese flying over, all doing their thing, they're all honking, except the first goose is not honking. And what scientists believe is happening is all the geese are cheering on the lead goose. Good job. Hang in there. Good job. That's what they think they're doing. The other geese are saying, way to go. Go, go, go. Hang in there. We need you up front. Some of you, you're, you're, you know you're doing all right. This is an okay season. Find somebody that's struggling or somebody that's trying to really plow through and just give them a hug. Good job. Let's go. It's true. Some of you who have, are in a season of struggle, I just want to tell you, step away from the vomit. It says in, it says in Proverbs, as a, as a dog returns to its vomit, a fool returns to their folly. So this scripture, although it's a terrible picture, I was thinking about this, all of a sudden it hit me in first service. Guys, it's step away from the vomit. And I'm thinking, man, that's a terrible picture. <laughs> step away from the vomit. I just picture somebody going, okay. <laughs> you know, you don't want to see it. But walk away from it. Walk away from whatever's holding you back. Sometimes you, can't, you have no choice. You're just put into a bad place no matter what you did. It's just a bad place. Sometimes you made your own bad place. You made your own. You know what I'm talking about, Mike Fantry? Having fun at Mike's expense. So, you know, you made your own. Step away from the vomit. Find a honker. Fellowship with somebody who's in a good way. Say, I don't know who that is. Ask somebody out to coffee. Ask them out to coffee. Get to know them. Ask them over for dinner. Or invite yourself over to their house for dinner. 
hey, I'm, I got some vomit here. I'm coming over where there's no vomit. What am I saying? I'm saying fellowship. Find a honker. And you honker, find somebody who's trying to get away from some vomit. Encourage them. If you, get, if you happen to find somebody, by the way, if you have lunch with somebody and you find out they have their own vomit, then you can compare. Well, yours is terrible. I think yours is terrible. You can compare that sort of thing. But the illustration is, it's a biblical illustration. Get away from it. Okay? Find somebody that can pick you up. Now, what am I saying? I'm saying in this season, we're going into a church fast. It's on Wednesday at 7 o'clock. What time, Joel? Wednesday, 7 o'clock. Thank you, Joel. The end of the fast. That's when we have a worship service. Now, the fast starts tomorrow, goes through Wednesday. If you can't fast, and some of you can't, you have health issues and you're on medication, uh, maybe you're going to have a baby or whatever, and you can't fast, then don't. Just do what you can do. But no matter what, come and worship together because the Lord is worth it. He's worth it. Well, I don't like the songs. I don't really care. <laughs> Get over it, you know. Just come anyway. My most favorite songs, are there any worship leaders in here? Mark, Mark, you can't, just, just ignore this part. My most favorite songs are songs that I sang in the 70s. I love them. They're good songs. So I like the songs we sing now, but my most favorite songs are the oldies songs. And when I'm worshiping by myself, I'm singing songs that are good songs. Come and worship with us. But I didn't fast. You know what? If God strikes you, just don't, don't sit next to me. I'm kidding. Come anyway. Come and worship. Come and do it with us. Let's get us, people who have walked away from something, around with the honkers, and let's go before the Lord because he's worthy of it. Because he is a life changer. And because he loves us and called us out of these crazy pasts that we have. When I was a kid in church and the preacher would say this crazy past, I remember thinking, I don't have a crazy past. I don't know what you're talking about. So maybe, you know, we have perspective on past as we get older. I don't know. But come and worship because he's worth it. We need it as a church. We need it as a collection of people here to let the Lord know that he is numero uno. For you non-Spanish speakers, he's number one. I'm very excited about what the Lord's doing in our lives. Extremely. He's calling us to a new place every day. Every day is a new place that he's calling us to. Our roots go strong in the storms, and we need them to stay in the storms. There's nothing wrong with that. Next time you hear a goose, let it be a reminder that somebody needs your honk. You know what I mean by that, right? Somebody needs it. Somebody needs your honk. Next time you see somebody vomit, <laughs> that's a terrible picture. That is a terrible picture. You know, every parent has stories of that, don't they, parents? I got parents. I, I think back to, I'm not going to tell you what I think back to. <laughs> My children. Oh, please stand up. Let's pray. Lord God, it is, a, it is a joy to worship you. It is a joy to be together as a congregational family. Lord, we're looking forward to this fast. We will lay this stuff aside because it's you, because you are worthy of it. God, I prayed for the, these people who are going through difficult seasons. 
they continue to walk with their back to the issues and walk forward to you, Lord God. They find these encouragers, these people, and we do it as a family, that we're not afraid of challenges, that we're ready to just do what we know to do. And we respond to that. We do it individually. We do it collectively as as a congregation assembly. Thank you for it, Lord. I pray for blessings on lives of everybody here, Lord, as we look to do right, as we look to walk in your word. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Peace that only comes from God. Thank you again for downloading and listening to this message from Grace Christian Fellowship. We are located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And if you are looking for a church to call home or would like to visit us for one of our services, please visit our site at gracecf.us for our location and service times. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you trust in Him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit.